while you're turning there and give you a little bit of an introduction, so I don't have to read the whole chapter here. Uh, the first 20 verses of this chapter that we are about to, we're going to skip over the first 20 verses, but those verses are, they are from Stephen as he stands there waiting to be stoned to death. <laughs> Stephen standing there, he's being, he has been falsely accused. He proceeds to give his answer to his accusations. That's what this chapter is. It begins all the way back at Abraham, and he gives a history of Israel and his dealings with God. He starts before Israel came along, but when Abraham was the only one there, and he goes through the whole history of Israel, and he shows them where they went wrong. And now they're, trust, they're not trusting in God, and they're resisting the Holy Ghost, he says. And they don't like it, of course, as you can imagine. And they end up stoning him, and he dies at the end of this chapter, a martyr for Christ, who, by the way, he died right in front of the feet of Saul, who was later called Paul. Saul, it says Saul's consenting unto his death there in chapter number 8. This is where he died. God taking a stand for Christ and telling the Jews that they are, in fact, wrong and are resisting the Holy Ghost. And they killed him for it. The first 19 verses of it is him starting out the history there of Israel. We're going to start in verse number 20. You can remain seated. I'm read, still going to read a few good many verses. <clears throat> so in verse number 20. In the which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, he came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. Notice that little H-I-S. Notice God by his hand, by Moses' hand, would deliver them. But they understood not. The next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do ye wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who, are, who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at his saying, was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. When forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, and Sinai here in the New Testament, an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled, and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, from the place where all thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and then come down to deliver them. Now come, and I will send thee into Egypt. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for all you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for the last beer tonight. Lord, I pray you give me words to say here in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Notice here, obviously, we read the story of Moses in the New Testament. Moses took place in the Old Testament, obviously. Stephen here gives us a little bit more information that we might not see in the Old Testament. At least, I did not originally see in the Old Testament. Stephen here, he says Moses is born. Obviously, he's exceeding fair, he says. All those things, we know, this, we know Moses' story. He was cast into the river. Because there was a command to kill the baby boys. His mother put him in the ark, and the river protected her son. Pharaoh's daughter hears him, hears him crying. She takes him as her own and hires Moses' mother, of all people, as his nurse. Love how the Lord works things out. So Moses is raised in an Egyptian. He was born a Hebrew, but raised as an Egyptian in the palace. It says in verse 22, And Moses learned in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. The Lord put him right where he needed to be in order to be used the way he was used. Now, I've preached on this before. Lord, here am I, send Aaron. How Moses was the perfect man for the job because God had been molding him his entire life to know what exactly he was supposed to do. But here in Acts, Stephen gives us a little bit of information that isn't preached on very often. I don't know if I've ever heard it preached on before. 
verse 23. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. That's no accident. It didn't didn't coincidentally come into his heart. God put that into his heart. God put it there. I believe God does the same thing with men still today. He calls men into the ministry. He calls men to preach, some to be missionaries, some to plant churches and move on and do it again, some to pastor indefinitely. He puts it in their heart. It's not an accident. And I can promise you there's no denying it when it's there. It doesn't go away. As much as you might try, if God put it there, it's not going to go anywhere. It's there to stay. You can even backslide and go wrong and maybe even disqualify yourself, but that burden's not going to go anywhere. Imagine being disqualified, living with a heavy burden constantly, and you can't do anything about it because you disqualified yourself. You can't imagine it. It's not going to go away. So God put it there. It's not going to go away. Verse 24 is what I'm trying to get to. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. We know later on in a few verses, it was the Old Testament. He, in fact, he killed the Egyptian, killed the man. What did he do? Well, verse 25 tells us. Why did he do it? For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that by God, his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. What happened? Now these Jews, they don't trust Moses anymore. I don't know if they trust him before, but they definitely don't now. Verse 28, wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? You killed a man yesterday. How, how, why are you supposed to trust? You're going to kill us too? What happened here? God put it in Moses' heart to visit his people, Moses' people, God's people. He visits them. He sees oppression. And with his burden for his people that God put in his heart, he begins to take action before God gave him instructions. God gave him a burden, God put, God, but God has not yet given him instructions on how to carry forth with that burden. Moses jumps in head first. He kills an Egyptian. He expects the Jews to rally in behind him and overthrow Egypt and get down by his hand. He says, we're going to do this by my, Moses, I'm going to do it by my hand, by his hand. What happened? Nobody got behind him. Why? Because that was not God's plan. God, want, God wanted to get the glory, not Moses. Had the Jews rally behind him and they overthrew the army of Egypt, well, then Moses would be considered the savior of Israel. Obviously, that's not God's plan. Moses, he sinned. Yes, he did. He killed a man when God did not tell him to do so. He's going to kill some men later on. God told him to do those. He didn't say anything about this. That was Moses' idea. But I truly believe, even though he did sin, I truly believe his heart was in the right place. He wanted to avenge his people. He wanted to get his people out of bondage. He was burdened for us. He saw them oppressed. He was burdened for them. He had the right motive, but his movements were not ordained by God. This is such a big subject, and you can take it in so many different ways. I'm limited on time, and I was limited on time studying as well, so we're going to stick with the Word of God. That's probably the best place I could be anyway, pretty safe place to be. The Lord said, I'm going to try to preach just a few minutes tonight on this thought, doing the right thing the wrong way. I know I'll not do this justice tonight. This is such a big subject of how often do we attempt to do the right things, yet we do it our way, not God's way. Why does that happen? Because our mouth and sometimes our feet Get ahead of God. I'm a red-blooded American like everybody else is. I like my freedom just as much as you do, if not more than some of you probably do. I love living in America. I love living in Alaska. I'm thankful for the liberties that men have fought and for and died for to secure for me and my family. I'm thankful for that. It's a gift from God. It's not a gift from the government. Freedom comes from God, and he allowed men of our history to secure it for us today. So I can stand here in this pulpit and preach today freely. I'm thankful for that. All that's going on in our day today, my flesh, my red-blooded American patriotic flesh inside of me wants to rear up and say something and make a big impact. And someday it may come to that. There are Baptist preachers in the Revolutionary Wars, and someday it may come to that. But until God tells me to, I'd, best, I'd be best off serving God and waiting on Him and buying more guns and ammo until that time comes. 
if we're not careful, even us preachers can get our foot all the way up to here to our mouths and get ourselves in trouble. And if it's really bad, we'll end up like Moses spending 40 years in the wilderness trying to live it down. Was it God's original plan for Moses to spend that 40 years in the desert? I don't know. God sure used it in Moses' life. I wonder what Moses would have done back in Egypt had he waited on God and not put his cart before his horse, so to speak. I don't know. This isn't just a patriotic thing. This could be applied to pretty much anything in your life. Men, you young men, you're looking for a wife. At least I hope at some point you're looking for a wife. If not, that's a different conversation that we need to have. But if you're not careful, you may be doing the right thing. You may be legitimate, look, doing the right thing, looking for a wife, nothing wrong with that. But if you take that burden and you put it, your feet in before God tells you, gives you instructions, you may end up in the desert with your father-in-law's sheep. Maybe be careful. I've done this, not that. I've done other things myself many times. I was talking to Natalie just the other day about this very thing, putting my cart before my horse, putting my feet to action before God instructs me on how to do it, doing the right thing the wrong way. Okay, preacher, I see the point, but how do we do the right thing and make sure it's the right way? I'm glad you asked. Turn to Psalm chapter 37. Go ahead and read the whole chapter. Is that okay? Yes, you don't hurry to get anywhere. Will somebody open that back door before I die up here? Starting to smell bacon cooking. Get hungry. Psalms chapter 37, verse number one. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be. Yea, they shall diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bow shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine. They shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, and to smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they shall be cursed of him that, cut it, that be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. 
Though he fall, he should not be able to cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints, they are preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land, and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart, none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yes, sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. For the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. For the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. This is verse 23, and that's the one that brought me to this chapter originally. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Steps of a good man. Brother Dill's old pastor from California, Pastor King, he said something I thought was pretty profound. I never thought about before. He says the steps of a good man. Not the leaps, not the jumps, just the steps. God doesn't tell us what he's going to do way down the road. He doesn't give us instructions for every step of the way. He didn't give Moses all the instructions when he gave him the burden. He ordered his steps. To me, in my personal life, I found even here recently, I just have to wait on God, learn to wait on God. I take one step and wait for him to show me the next step. And I take the next step and wait for him to show me the next step. And that's the way it ought to be. If not, you end up doing the right, trying to do the right things, but doing it the wrong way. This chapter gives us eight different commands that we ought to follow if we want to walk in the steps God orders. How are we supposed to make sure we do the right things the right way? This chapter tells us, give us eight different orders that we're supposed to follow. I don't know about you, but I don't want to take one step that he has not ordained. I've done it before, and I've regretted it. I've done good things, but not the right way. I've done it before. I've messed up. I don't want to do that. So how do we avoid doing that? Well, he tells us right here, eight commands. Number one, verse number one. Number one, fret not. Fret not this up because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Fret not. Quit worrying about it. It's one of the simplest commands to make. You want One we should already know, but to be honest, it's probably the ones we struggle with the most. I like to try to figure everything out myself. I like to try to figure everything up 50 steps in advance so I know what's going to happen when I get there. So I have it all planned out. When re- reality, that's not how God works. He gives us a little bit at a time. The grace to help in a time of need. Just a time of need. And he'll give us more the next time of need. That's what Hebrews says, a step at a time. Number one, just quit worrying about it. How is it going to work out? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How will I accomplish this? Just trust God. Fret not. Quit worrying about it. Fret not. Next one kind of goes along with it. Fret not. Number two. Trust in the Lord. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Just trust God. Quit worrying about it and just trust him to carry forth, carry it through. So it sounds like pretty, it sounds like a, is every message preached pretty much everywhere. But it's truth. Quit worrying. Fret not. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good, he says. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. The enemy is withering in verse number 2. In verse number 3, God's people are dwelling in the land and being fed. Why? Because they are God's people and they are trusting in him. Later on in this chapter, it says in verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old. You have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. 
I'm no old man. I feel like an old man, but I'm not an old man yet. I used to go to my driver's license. I've taken what others would call risks because I knew, I knew what God wanted me to do. I've taken pay cuts because I knew that's what God wanted me to do. And somehow the Lord has always provided for me and my family. There were times we've been tired of than other times, but I've never had to worry about how to feed my family. Just trust in the Lord and fret not. I've seen God move too many mountains for me to start questioning now. There's not been one time that I've sacrificed for God when he has not repaid me over and over and over again. It's not all about money. Sometimes it's health and sometimes it's family. Just trust in the Lord. And I feel like I need to expand on that very much. It's pretty simple. In every aspect of your life, every aspect you can think of and everything, just trust in him. Number one, fret not. Number two, trust in the Lord. Number three, delight thyself also in the Lord. Verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Not only trust him, not worry, not fret, not but delight in him. You want to have the desires of your heart, then put your desires that you want in life in him. Delight in the Lord. You find joy in serving him, and he'll bless you and use you and allow you to see some of the biggest desires of your heart come to pass if it's what he wants. You want to see joy? You want to know what joy is? Then do the work of the Lord. Lead somebody to the Lord. You can Talk about joy. Be there when somebody prays and ask Jesus to say, there's nothing like that in the world. Learn to delight yourself in the Lord. As a pastor, I get to the second best. I get to baptize them. I get to teach them and preach to them. Nothing like it in all the world. I get to see them grow in grace. Brad's not here so I can talk about him. He came this morning. I didn't really even recognize him. Looks like a different person. There's nothing like that in all the world. Delight thyself also in the Lord. I've worked before. I've, I've made money. I've been to some pretty cool places, done pretty cool things as a job, as a young man. It was fun. I've been able to travel and see a lot of this country. I'm thankful for that. But there's nothing in this world like living your life for the Lord. You get to raise your family in the middle of it. Young people, I promise you, there's nothing like it. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of thine heart. You want to make sure you're walking in the steps and doing the right things the right way. Then delight in what the Lord has for you. Find joy in what the Lord wants for your life. This world will pass away, but he never will. And the work you do for him never will either. Delight in the Lord. Number four, commit thy way unto the Lord. It's very simple. We'll be done pretty quick. Verse five, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. There's no greater peace in life than committing your ways to the Lord, saying, here am I, Lord, send me. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And you meet it from death's yard. No greater peace than seeing God fulfill that in your heart. I dare you to try it. Where I go, wherever you want me to go, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll talk to whoever I need to talk to, do what I need to do, and he'll do it. He'll fulfill it. You might not know the end of the, from the, at the beginning, but there's no greater peace in this life than committing your ways into the Lord. Moses learned that eventually. It took him a while, but he got there. What about you? Have you given your life to him? Have you said, Lord, here am I, send me, and meant it? God has a way of getting you to the point where you will mean that. I've said that many times in my life, but I've meant it a few times. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. How can I do the right things to do it God's way and not my way? How do I do that? Fret not. Trust the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Lord, whatever steps you want me to take, whatever steps you ordain, I'll take those steps. Number five, one we don't really talk about, rest in the Lord. Verse seven, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Sounds like the easiest one, just rest and wait. Honestly, it's probably the hardest. 
I'm done worrying. I'm trusting him. I'm delighting him. I've committed my ways on him. Okay, now, Lord, let's move. Let's, let's get busy about this thing. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently is the next command we're given in the psalm. Commit unto him and wait. Lord, you don't understand. The wicked is prospering in his way, the psalmist says. They are bringing wicked devices to pass. Lord, look around. Look around, look around you, Lord. We, we need to have to move now. We have to get busy about this thing now. I believe we ought to be busy about God's work, especially in the day we are in. But some things require waiting on God. And that's a lot easier said than done. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can be lazy and miss our opportunity because we aren't trusting him. Now, on the other hand, don't get ahead of God either. I want to walk with the Lord, not ahead of the Lord, and not him dragging me behind him either. Walk with him. Rest in the Lord and wait on him. Number six, cease from anger. Verse eight, cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. That one hits home, don't it? <laughs> Watch your temper. Moses had a temper problem. A lot of us do too. He never really did get over it. He killed the Egyptian here, and then later on he's still losing his temper and hitting the rocks with his staff. I probably would have hit an Egyptian with my staff if I was Moses. It cost him a lot. He had a lot more patience than I have. I don't think I need to expound on this much, much more than that. Cease from anger. Don't make hasty decisions in a moment of rage that you'll regret later on. Cease from anger. Moses had to stay for 40 years because he lost his temper and killed that man. Later on, he hits the rock, and God told him not to. He never got to, see the, he never got to step foot into the promised land. Cease from anger. This chapter goes on. It says, For evildoers shall be cut off. The meek shall inherit the earth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. I like that verse, verse 13. The Lord just laughs at the arrogance of the wicked because he knows his coming to an end. You can rest in the Lord with that. He knows Satan will be destroyed. He can, Satan can try all he wants, but he's not going to win. We, we read Revelation. We know what's going to happen. Towards the end of this chapter, we get two more commands. Number seven, depart from evil. Verse 27. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. Pretty simple. Act like you belong to the Lord. Depart from evil. Be as far away from it as you possibly can be. I'm amazed at the Christians of our day that are involved in things that they are involved in in this world. It amazes me. It discourages me if we're being honest. Depart from evil. Stay away from it as far away from it as you can. The line between the church and the world is getting more and more blurry every day. There ought not be any question. If you, could, if you, if you tell people you're a Christian, it ought not surprise them. They ought to know it's coming. Oh, yeah, I, I can see that. It ought not surprise them. You ought to look different. You ought to talk different and treat people different and care more and worry less and trust in the Lord and delight on him and so on and so forth. Depart from evil. If you're a Christian, if the Lord has saved you, then act like it. Live like it. Depart from evil. You want to do the right things at the right time in God's way? Act like a Christian. Depart from evil. Lastly, wait on the Lord. Verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Here's that word again, wait. Before it was rest, now it's wait. Wait on the Lord. That's one of the easiest things to say and hardest things to follow through with. Notice that last part of that verse, the next part. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. He shall exalt thee. Let the Lord do the lifting. Not putting yourself up where you don't really belong. Like Moses tried, to, Moses tried to be the leader of Israel before God told him to. Let God do the lifting. He also says, when the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Moses wanted to start a revolution. He had it in his heart. He, God put it in his heart to go see his people. He had a burden from God for that. That was a burden from God. There's not a no question about it. But God has not given the instructions on how to do it yet. Moses had to put down his weapons 
and had to pick up a staff and simply follow God's commands. And God gave him 40 years to learn how to do it. God was the one who's going to do the fighting, not him. God was the one who's going to get the glory, not Moses. One day this world is going to crumble. It's going to fall under the pure judgment of God, and God's going to let Satan have his way for seven years, and judgment will come. Those seals will be open, and those judgments, and those, those horsemen, and all those things are going to come to pass. God's going to do the fighting. He's going to allow that to happen. If it comes to fighting in our day, I hope, we, I hope we're ready to take a stand. For what is, I hope we're ready for that. It's already that way in Canada. They're shutting churches. No, it's closer than it's ever been before. That being said, I don't want to do one thing that God has not ordered me to do. We can do the right thing in the wrong way. We can take a stand when God hasn't told us to take a stand yet. We can follow the Bible. You ought to follow the Scriptures and never waver off the Scriptures. But sometimes we get ahead of the Scriptures a little bit. We can have the right motives, but if we're not careful, we'll have the wrong movements and we'll mess it up. Doing the right thing the wrong way. If Moses can do that, what makes you think that we can't do that? How do we stay away from it? Fret not. Trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Cease from anger. Depart from evil. And wait on the Lord. He'll do the exalting. He'll do the conquering. He'll give the instructions when it's time for the instructions. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. Are your steps ordered by the Lord? Or are you looking for God to, for instru- looking to him for instructions or directions? Are your steps ordered by the Lord? Or are you taking an elevator and get to the bottom quicker? If not, you may, have do, may end up doing the right thing in the wrong way. Wait on the Lord. Lord, thank you this day. I'm very done for saying God's here tonight. And I'll tell you, take a simple thought and pray you help us, Lord. And we have to learn to wait on you and trust you, Lord, and believe that you can handle it. Thank you for all you've done for us in Jesus' name.